0: Hello, everyone. It's Hills. Before the episode begins, I just want to let everyone know we recorded episode 19 about an hour before Pete Buttigieg dropped out of the race. So, all the things you'll hear in the episode, we didn't know he was dropping out at that time. So, put that into context when you listen. Also, special thanks to Pete uh, for his campaign and for his work and for knowing when to get out of the race when it's the right time for him. Otherwise, Thank you all for listening and enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Three Course Politics podcast. I'm Josh and I'm Hills. And today we are talking all about South Carolina, the path to 270, a little bit coronavirus. And a surprise dessert. So it's going to be a good episode, right, Halsey?
0: Ooh, it's going to be a really great episode. Um, and Josh, I think uh, we have an anniversary announcement to make.
1: Oh, do we ever? Why don't you go ahead and make the anniversary announcement?
0: So we want to thank all of our listeners for being with us for just over a year. We started recording Three Course Politics um, a year ago um, in mid-February. So uh, wow. thank you.
1: Wow, thank you guys so much for listening and uh, helping us spread the word one year later and we're still somehow here. Who would have thunk it?
0: <laughs> they haven't canceled us yet. Apple Podcast has not said, please get off our platform.
1: <laughs> when Apple Podcast does that, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in
0: a world of hurt. A world of hurt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, to make sure that you're not in a world of hurt this November, see that, Hilsey? See that transition? I,
0: I, I'm in awe, of it, in awe of it right now.
1: I want to make sure that you are registered to vote. If you're not sure, go to vote.org right now. We'll wait. Register come back and finish this podcast. Really important to make sure that you're out there voting in primaries in general elections. So, make sure that you are re- registered to vote vote.org right now.
0: Yeah, if you're not if you're not registered to vote for this election, then, you know what? Don't even listen to the podcast. You're not registered to vote. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's the point of even having this podcast if you're not going to go out there and vote? Yeah. So vote.org, please go, please register. It's very, very important. I completely agree. Um,
0: yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think everyone is ready for our pre-dinner shot.
1: Do you agree? I agree, and it's coming up next.
0: Okay, we have a really good pre-dinner shot question for you today. Your question is, who were the last three winners of the South Carolina Democratic primary? And would I be my last three? Who won the primary in 2004? Who won the primary in 2008? And who won the primary in 2016? So these don't have to be the same people, but who were the winners (laughs) of the South South Carolina Democratic primary in 2004,
1: 2008, and in 2016? wow that is a great question i feel confident in two of them the other one i uh, i'll have to think about it that's a good it's a good question Elsie.
0: when i asked this question to myself i got 2004 wrong so uh which i think everyone else might because that was a that was an interesting democratic primary as i was looking researching everything for this
1: yeah no for sure um Yeah, good question, Hills. I like it, and uh, we'll tell you at the very end of the podcast. And we have a
0: really good appetizer for you, um, all about the path to 270
1: electoral votes. Okay, and welcome to your appetizer. Your appetizer is all about the path to 270. So We're going to talk about how Democrats can get to 270 and hopefully not scare anyone in the uh, pro- end of the process. Uh, so we'll see how it goes, Elsie. Do
0: you want to remind people what 270 is?
1: Uh, no. Uh, yes. Um, the path uh, 270 is how many delegates and how many states uh, you need to get to 270 votes. If you hit 270 votes, then your party has won the White House. So each state has a certain number of delegates. You know, Like, for example, Arizona has 11 delegates. Wisconsin has 10. And if you win the popular vote in that state, then you get all of those delegates. So the goal for both Trump and the Democrat is to try to get 270 votes, or uh, 270 delegates. So when we say 270, that's what we uh, mean. So the latest update... Is based on most uh, electoral models. Uh, depending on, it changes a little bit depending on um, where you look. But the race stands here: Democrats have 248 delegates or electoral votes. The GOP have 204, and there are 86 undecided. So you're thinking to yourself, Ah, oh, 248. We're only, you know. 22 delegates away. Like that's easy. We should be able to hit that. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> it's uh very 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 difficult and it gets tricky because here are the toss-up states. You have Arizona with 11 uh delegates. You have Wisconsin with 10. You have Pennsylvania with 20. North Carolina with 15. Florida with 29. And the second district of Nebraska with one. Because Nebraska and Maine, they're weird. And they divide up their delegates by certain districts. So those are, in on, uh, across the board, those are listed as your toss-up states. So Democrats need to win different combinations of those in order to uh, get to 270. So we're going to talk about a couple of paths. Um... The first past path is the Midwest path. This is probably what uh, most Democrats want to win back. Will you say so, Hillsy?
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I also um, I, I added Iowa in there because I am very high on Iowa.
1: Hills and I disagree heavily on Iowa, but we will get there. <laughs> um, so the Midwest path involves the Democrats winning Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, michigan and maybe iowa there you go hills maybe iowa maybe iowa so right now michigan is a lean dem which is huge because michigan went for trump in 2016 but democrats still need to win pennsylvania and wisconsin if they win pennsylvania and wisconsin and michigan then dems have hit over 270 and the democratic nominee wins So who can do well here? Well, uh, people think Sanders can do well. Uh, People also think that Biden is going to do well. Biden has that kind of Midwest vibe to him. He can, you know, work in the uh, working class. Bernie's whole call for a revolution is in the working class. It's important to remember that it's going to be really, really tight in those three states, especially Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. Uh, Don't expect those to be called early.
0: I mean, this is where this is where the election will likely be decided
1: in the in the Midwest. And the
0: only reason why Trump really won in 20 in 2016.
1: Right. Exactly. And uh, Hillary Clinton um, took a lot of flack and deservedly so uh, because she just kind of ignored, um, you know, the Wisconsin, Michigan area. And, you know, had she just spent a little more time there? The argument is, at least, have you spent a little more time there? then it would have things would have turned out differently. Um, it's really important for Democrats uh, and the, the nominee not to ignore this. You've really got to put in money, effort, ground game, all that stuff really needs to be done there um, if we want to pull off a win in those states.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, as you mentioned, Pennsylvania and Michigan are trending towards Democrats. I mean, that's not a surefire thing, obviously. Uh, Wisconsin is going to be the real 50-50. I think it's honestly, like, right now, <laughs> it really could go either way in, under the right circumstances. I think the default right now is it to go and re-elect Trump. Um, but again, I mean, there's there's so much. We haven't even entered a general election yet. It's really Sanders and Biden are up in Wisconsin, but sometimes Trump is up. Honestly, I really think it's a 50-50 state. Um, and, you know, um can I, I? I want to talk about the New York Times article that came out by Dave Wasserman. Um, yeah, please do. And so it's by Dave Wasserman, who I perhaps is the smartest electoral um, election uh, political junkie. He works for the Cook Report um, and he is the smartest guy, election tracker, I think, out there right now. He wrote an article, and I, we're going to put it in the show notes. And you can access the show notes by swiping right or left on your podcast app. Anyway, he wrote an article about depending what brands you live near, it determines how you're probably going to vote. An example is if you live by Apple stores, Lululemon, Whole Foods is the biggest indicator, you are likely in a Democratic area voting for Democrats. If you are in between, if you're about 5 to 10 miles away from any one of those stores, you are in the middle, it kind of gets a little purpley. And if you are actually by... Uh, a hobby lobby a bass pro shop a tractor supply store you're voting likely in a red area and if you are outside of uh outside of that area and you're not near an apple store like if you're um, your closest thing is a hobby lobby but it's like 20 miles away you are definitely a republican so it's really interesting how brands can kind of indicate where votes are um, and can kind of help with you know strategy there it's a really good article you should read it
1: yeah, I really uh, thank you, Hilsie, for putting that in the show notes and talking about that. I think it's really, really important and very interesting. Um, and kind of gives you a different way to look at uh, kind of how people vote. Um, very interesting. I haven't read it yet, but I fully intend to read it um, by, before the day is out. Uh, so that is the Med, the Midwest Path. Another path is going to be the South Path, or the Southern Path. That involves winning states like Arizona, Florida and North Carolina. So, Dems need Arizona and either North Carolina or Florida, and they can still win. So, if Dems lose Pennsylvania and they lose Wisconsin, right? they kind of still need Michigan in there. But if they if they lose the, those two, then if they get uh, Arizona and, and, and North Carolina or Florida, then they still win. In order to win in these areas, you really have to drive up the Latino vote African-American vote you need minorities to come out and support the Democratic candidate now both Sanders and Biden do well here but the problem is that recently these have all been very Republican areas maybe they're trending more towards them uh, Dems but it really depends on uh, you know how well we're able to drive up the voter turnout Um, if minorities vote in high numbers in arizona and florida and north carolina there are definitely enough to flip those states um but we know that trump and the gop are going to come out in high numbers so we have to be able to counter that by getting uh people who usually vote democratic out in those states
0: yeah i i totally agree with that i think this could be a harder path um for for the democrats and we also need to like a, reduce the, the white vote among the Republicans, mm-hmm. right? And with increased um, turnout for non-white voters, I think it could be a recipe for success. I have a question for you, Josh. What do you think about Arizona and this chances
1: to go to Dems? It's a it's a really good question, Hills. Um, I'm so torn. My, my heart tells me that this will be a very good time and probably the first time in a while or ever uh, that I think, I think Arizona can go blue. They, uh, uh, they chose a uh, uh, Martha uh, or no, Kristen cinema, right? Is that her name? Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's the uh, Senator and uh, you know, Mark Kelly is running against uh, Martha McSally. And by every indication, Mark Mark Kelly is running a really good campaign and, is doing a really nice job, so I like to think that. But you know, my my head says uh, that I should be smarter because we've seen this story before. You know, why don't Dems do well in in Texas with all the you know the, with, with with the Latino population down there? It just it seems almost too good to be true. Um, so I'm, I would love it if it happens. I you know. I try to uh, tame my excitement a little bit because I'm just not sure. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) Uh,
0: I mean, I think I I more or less agree with you. I'm very just, we're going to invest so much time and energy into Arizona. And we're going to be so high on it. And even Hillary Clinton went there instead of Wisconsin. And then we're going to just, it's going to be like 53, 47. It's going to be closer, (laughs) but like we won't win it. And then we should have just spent time in Wisconsin anyway to win it. I mean... (sighs) Yeah, I think it's like something that we should definitely make Republicans play defense there. Oh but yeah. But sure. our surest path to the presidency is is keeping all the Clinton states including New Hampshire and then flipping Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan as you just stated before. Because we already won in Wisconsin. We like right. won as early as 2012 in Wisconsin. So yeah but arizona is a good little pipe dream it could give us a really good boost in the future it's like virginia
1: almost right yeah and you would have to think right you would have to think that you know at some point arizona is going to be in play you know and maybe it's in play now just because trump was so horrible to john uh mccain and you know he's very well liked in arizona so maybe that, that, that makes people a little less likely to vote um for trump it's it's very very tough hills i don't know how i feel about it it makes me nervous <laughs> so um we we will see we will see what, what happens but man uh if if let's say this if things if, if arizona is not called right away and you know it goes deeper and deeper into the night dems are having a real good night Oh, yeah,
0: please, please let us have a good night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in, so in, good. I want
0: I want to be happy
1: again. <laughs> it's been so long since we've been happy. Uh-huh. so um, now there is yet another path, and this is perhaps the most difficult path. And I'll, I will give you a chance uh, to uh, to uh, talk here for a second. Um, the other path is by flipping uh, Iowa, Ohio, and Georgia. Uh, These are three states that right now, um, according to most different models that you look at, are uh, lean R. So they lean Republican. Now, if the Dems are having a really good night and things are going well, there's a chance to flip those states. But you've got to get vote up in the city. You've got to get the working class vote up. Each state requires something different. In uh, Ohio, you've got to get up, um, you know, uh, Cincinnati, you got to get up uh, Columbus. you got to drive up the turnout in those states. In Georgia, you need the African American vote to come through. In Iowa, you need college students. You need working whites to come back. It's very, very difficult. You know, it's the hardest path by uh, for sure. We don't know who does well there. Uh, Biden has been better with the older voters. Sanders has been better with younger voters. We don't know really uh, who does well there. Um, and I think in 2020, when all is said and done, I think all three of those states uh, go back to Trump. I know, Hilsey, you disagree. Uh, I will let you say your, uh, your uh, piece here. <laughs> well,
0: uh, I think I agree with you on, on largely, like, they're not going to be easy. Um, on Iowa, I do think Iowa is winnable. Not as winnable as Wisconsin, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Uh, and I think, I think Iowa, for me, is in the same category as Florida. Is and it's going to be a slog, but if you remember correctly, Obama won Iowa twice with good margins, so it's not that far-fetched to say that Iowa can flip back, and that's six votes. On Georgia, I definitely think it's a little bit more of a stretch. I agree with you. I think if we win North Carolina, we have a really good shot of winning Georgia. In um, Ohio. Boy, I, 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 am. I think we might need to abandon Ohio. Uh, we got smacked. I mean, Obama barely won in twenty twelve, and we got smacked in twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen in Ohio, with the exception yeah. of Sherrod Brown. So, I really think um, I agree with you on Iowa and Georgia. Um, but, boy, I don't know about Ohio anymore. I think we may need to let that one go.
1: It's time to let. Uh, it's not time to say. Goodbye to Ohio. Hills and I have been saying for a long time now that Democrats should just forget about uh, Ohio. So uh, I think it's time to say goodbye to Ohio and, you know, pray. Just
0: pray, Hills. As we say in New York, forget about it.
1: Forget about it.
0: Forget about
1: Ohio. It doesn't matter. Now, really important is that um, all the paths that I just laid out, we, we just talked about, it doesn't matter if Democrats don't unite and, and, and support someone. You can't have people who are saying, well, if Bernie's the, the nominee, I'm not voting for him. Or, you know, if, if, uh, if Biden's the nominee, I'm not voting for him. Or if Bloomberg or whoever. There is no one, except maybe Tulsi Gabbard, who is as bad as Trump. And even Tulsi isn't quite there yet. She's racing there. But she's not quite there yet. It doesn't matter who the nominee is. You, you, Democrats have to be t- together. They have to be united. And they have to uh, organize and figure out what is our best path to win 270 votes.
0: Yeah, I, I totally, I mean, we're, we need to beat Trump, right? <laughs> See, I couldn't have said it better. We need to beat Trump and... If- whoever the, we pick as the nominee, we have to get behind them or none of these paths are possible. Yeah, absolutely. You said it exactly, exactly right.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I mean, we've been spending, I don't know about you, Josh, but I spent a lot of time looking at the 270 to win website and <laughs> this helps me a lot.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, 270towin.com. to The number is 270 and then the words to win it's great. It lets you make uh, your own map as well. I went when I went ahead and just gave every state to the Democratic uh, candidate, and what's everyone worried about? It doesn't win by a landslide. Trump doesn't win a single uh, uh, vote. So stop, <laughs> stop, stop freaking out, hills. It's <laughs> fine.
0: It's fine. Five thirty-eight. Not that hard. Five thirty-eight.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, this has been your entree. It's been very informative. Or sorry, your appetizer. It's been very informative. And we're moving on to your entree, which will also be informative, and that's coming up next.
0: All right, everybody, your big entree. We are going to talk about the results from South Carolina yesterday, the South Carolina Democratic primary, and the state of the race for the Democratic nomination for president. So first of all, how did each of the Dem nominees do? Well, I'm going to also link a Decision Desk HQ results um, results page into our show notes so you can see for yourself. Oh, but great. Biden came in first with a whopping 48% of the votes, about 256,000 people. Sanders came in second uh, so far, which with 19.9% of the vote and 105 people, 105,000 people um, voted for him. So, you know. It's quite a bit less, and he's in the second place. Steyer has eleven percent of the vote. Budaj had eight percent. Warren had seven, uh, just only five thousand less than Buttigieg. Uh Klobuchar came in uh, ca- came in six with three percent, and Gabbard came in one point six percent with six thousand people. <laughs> what is she waiting for to drop out? <laughs> anyway, by <laughs> by. <Biden, Biden, clears throat> Biden crushed it in this vote. So what does this mean? What does this mean for Biden? What does this mean for Democrats? So we have three things. Number one, this was a big win for Biden. It capitalizes on his little bit of surge that he's been having in the past few days after a relatively okay debate performance. (laughs) Really, the bar is set very low for Biden on debates. He won all all the congressional districts in South Carolina, and that's important because he wins a ton of delegates because he did that. Um, the delegates are proportioned based on the congressional vote, uh, congressional districts within the state. So he won all of the con- congressional districts, which is really, really good for him. It shows also that he has a big appeal um, under this number one you know, big win for Biden. He has really, really, he did really, really good with black voters of every single age group, young to very old, and he crushed it with the older black voters, really crushed it. I will also link the tweet uh, that Steve Kornacki uh, put out with the exit polls of black voters into the show notes as well. And it shows that the core, you know, the core constituency of the Democratic Party in many states around this country are African-American voters and biden is clearly clearly their number one favorite um at least in south carolina um number two steyer dropped out he dropped out immediately after he came <laughs> a very poor third <laughs> spent 250 million dollars on this thing you know just threw it away uh, what does that mean it means less vote splitting and he has a lot of money he is a billionaire mm-hmm. and Uh, His money is now available, although he may not give it away just yet because he's a little pissed off he lost. (laughs) And the third thing about what this means is that Biden is not out yet. He has risen in the polls in Super Tuesday states, especially the states in the South. um, And he is very competitive with Bernie in Texas. So Biden is not out and he may actually do okay on Super Tuesday, which will then make the race really Sanders and Biden and leave the other ones out to dry
1: josh what do you think man well uh yeah uh, i think biden needed this he staked his whole campaign on south carolina and they came through for him um you know the steyer dropping out uh is good for biden in terms of steyer did seem to have some appeal with african-american votes so uh it's you know good for him that it's one less person to compete with. and, you know, he's uh, He is, you know On his way back We we talked about uh, the Clovis surge How about Biden-mentum? Is there some Ooh. Biden-mentum coming?
0: I, I think that's the show title today <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah it, It's, it's going to make It's going to make Super Tuesday uh, Very, very crazy And I can't wait
0: Biden-mentum Oh, I love it, Josh Does that if that you if you haven't trademarked that term, you need to do that right
1: now. <laughs> uh, trademark Josh X uh, twenty twenty. There it is. Just, just yeah, trademark the Biden it. campaign needs to pay you. They, they, they better. They should pay me. <laughs>
0: um, I, I think I think you're very right, and I also wanna I want to go into exactly how much Biden crushed it with black voters, and uh, these are from the exit polls in South Carolina by age. So. Um, Biden was competitive with Bernie under 30. They got the same percentage. Um, he opened up his lead with thirty to, to in the 30 to 44 range um, by 22 points, Biden at 44, Sanders at 22. But when you get to 45 through 59, Biden had 63% of those people. Ooh. 63. Sanders was below Steyer at 14%. Wow. And if you get to 60 plus, which honestly, I think these are normal voters at this point biden was their overwhelming favorite at 76 percent three in four people over 60 black voters over 60 in south carolina preferred biden and steyer came in a distant second place at 11 percent wow so uh he he really ran that group and i think this is something that Bernie is going to have to see, mm-hmm. um, you know, if Biden has this command of black don't black voters and Bernie does not. That can really sh- spell trouble for him for the nomination. And even if he wins for the election itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I- I'll put that in the show notes. And um, so you can go see the stats for yourself. Steve Kornacki is another election analyst and he works for MSNBC and he is a treasure.
1: Yeah, he is. He is very smart, Elsie.
0: I wish I was smart as Steve Kornacki. <laughs> but, you know, those are the big th- three things. You know, we have less. We have one less candidate in this race. Biden got what he needed in South Carolina. He needed this big win. So now let's turn to the state of the race. Super Tuesday. What is Super Tuesday? Super Tuesday is um, Tuesday, March 3rd. And the reason why we call it Super Tuesday and it's every election, you know, not, nomination cycle is that there's a bunch of states who all schedule their primaries at the same time. It's almost, the, it's the closest thing to we, we have into a, to a national primary. So people just call it Super Tuesday because it's a big day, you know. It's got 14 races, 14 uh, states have their, their primary, including the big one, California. Yeah. The winner of California, because California is, is allocated the most delegates of all the states, of all the parties, the winner of California could change the race because it has so many delegates that if you win big in California, it could be mathematically impossible for anyone else to catch up. Man. It just, it has so many. Yeah. Um, and Bernie is favored mm-hmm. to gather the most delegates according to major predictions. And I'm going to link you to the five thirty eight website, which updates this, you know, hourly uh, about their predictions. And so they have a whole list of everything. Um, quickly though bernie is slated to win in california but not by a good margin maybe not hugely massachusetts massachusetts which <laughs> is bad for warren yeah. colorado and maybe in texas but you know you know slightly i think biden and bernie are about neck and neck in texas biden is scheduled uh, is a is hopefully apparently going to win north carolina Maybe Virginia. Again, it's very tight with Bernie in Virginia. Alabama. Um, maybe Oklahoma and a lot of the southern states like Mississippi. Um, and Minnesota is likely going to go for Klobuchar. So but Hills, we're going to have a little bit of a...
1: There's yeah. a huge question. Who's going to win the American Samoa caucus? Ooh,
0: uh, I think... By,
1: isn't Bernie in, the, in the, the lead for American Samoa? <laughs> uh, probably. But if it's a caucus, Biden does poorly with caucuses.
0: Yeah, I mean, isn't the old saying, "American Samoa chooses the next president"?
1: <laughs> it definitely
0: is the saying. I wish I could go to American Samoa. It sounds like a nice
1: place. It, it does. It does indeed.
0: Yeah, um, but okay, Super Tuesday, Biden. The Biden win may change some of the dynamics here, and we're already kind of seeing that before uh, the kind of by, by, by momentum. What did you say, Josh? By by momentum. Biden momentum. Biden momentum. By before the Biden momentum, Biden got dropped a little bit to Bernie in Texas, um, definitely in California, in Virginia. So his win, and it's honestly, it's two days in between. It's really too early to tell um, how he'll do or whether this impacts anything. But you know, there are way too many moderates moderates in the race right right now, which really helped Bernie. You have Buttigieg, you have Bloomberg, you have Klobuchar, you have Biden. You know. Yeah. They're going to split the votes there.
1: It's very true. It's, it's it's going to be it's going to be very very well. So it could be very tricky for for Biden. Um, the thing that he has to do is he has to hope that the Bloomberg and the Peets and the Warren, maybe some of the Warren, but the Klobuchar supporters, that they all realize, okay, Biden is back. He won South Carolina huge. These other candidates I I was toying with, you know, I don't need to go for them now because Biden's back. He seems to have his Bojo back. His Biden-mentum is back. Um, So uh, he has to hope that those voters come to him and it forces Pete and Klobuchar and uh, Bloomberg to uh, drop out.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And speaking about dropping out... uh... I honestly think Klobuchar and Warren are going to drop out on either that night or the next day yeah. on the 4th. Uh, honestly, if Warren can't even win Massachusetts, she's, she's basically at this point has zero path to win. Um, she's, got, she's not winning. She's, not, she's getting distant places in polling. And Klobuchar, yes, you can win your home state. But honestly, if you can't win any other state, you should drop out too. There's no mathematical path. And I'm a little nervous for Pete. Yeah. I'm a little nervous for Pete. I think he may get killed. I think he may come in distant third and fourths in these states. And honestly, it's just not enough. It's, yeah. it's not enough for Pete. And I think he'll fall way behind. And he may have to just call it quits yeah.
1: at this point. What's interesting about Klobuchar and Warren is back in 2016, Marco Rubio dropped out days before the Florida primary because he was so worried about losing his home state and the embarrassment that it would cause and all of that. Um, Klobuchar and Warren, they have to be pretty damn sure that they're going to win their home states. Um, because if they don't, you know, that sends a really, really negative message. Uh, you know, and even if you're up for reelection again, or just, it's just demoralizing to lose your home state. So, um, I don't expect them to drop out. Definitely not, not before super Tuesday, but, um, that could be a very, very embarrassing thing if you can't win your home state. So I'm sure that their uh, campaign has numbers that we don't have. And, you know, they think it's it's a good idea. I just have uh, something to think about.
0: I, honestly, I think Elizabeth Warren may lose Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. I, I predict she's going to lose Massachusetts.
1: Wow. And we are not in the prediction business. And there's your prediction, folks
0: i mean well H- hills is stepping in a little bit it's getting a little feet wet <laughs> seeing how warm the water is uh i honestly think she's gonna lose it I, she is in the distant second to bernie in massachusetts and honestly at this point i think people are realizing even though i personally like i love elizabeth warren i really do yeah. and but at this point if you're a voter in that state you can clearly see the writing on the wall I mean, in polls, she hasn't even been up in first in a while, so
1: it looks bad for her in Massachusetts. Poor Warren. Poor Warren. Yeah.
0: We will do an autopsy on her campaign another time. Yes. Um, So basically, at the end of Super Tuesday, a lot of people are expecting Bernie and Biden to be uh, up, and Bernie will likely have a delegate lead of some sort. It could be large, it could be medium, it could be small um you know he's expected to have the lead in delegates no matter what yeah so here's what i think bernie should be doing moving forward and i think he started to do a little bit of this but i haven't seen it with my eyes first um he needs to create a message for people who are who are scared a little bit of a bernie uh nomination Mm -hmm. he needs to honestly talk to people who you know he may be too liberal for them but he needs to make a message for them about why they should vote for him and take a chance on him why they should be part of the revolution, even if they don't want the entire revolution. Um, And he needs to do this now, because if he doesn't do this now, there are people who are going to be totally against him, and he's going to look small-minded, and he won't be able to broaden his base. And you know that's the second thing he should be doing. He should be broadening his base um, and looking like a nominee. Sometimes I feel like Bernie, when he talks about stuff, he, he just seems like this guy who is against the world and not like a nominee of the major party.
1: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. You know, <clears throat> the, the thing about Bernie, and we'll get to the negatives of his campaign in a second, is, you know, and Biden is using this attack a lot, and it's a really, really good attack. Biden's telling people, if you don't want to be a part of the revolution, but if you want results, come to my campaign. And that is a really good message, because Bernie's all about the revolution, blah, blah, blah. And Biden saying, "Look, maybe this revolution doesn't fit with you, you know. And I, I'm not going to have a revolution, but I will get you results. And that's what you what you care about. And it, it's a really good uh, message. I think Bernie's got to change his message a little bit. You can't keep saying revolution. I guess that that's the that's the core of it. But you have to add something else. You have to bring in people that like like you said are scared. Um, I was talking with my dad today." And my dad is just convinced he is convinced that if bernie is the nominee that trump's going to win again he's terrified of a bernie nomination and i asked him i was like but if bernie's the nominee you're going to vote for him right and he was like uh, yeah i mean i guess so you know you bernie's got to have a way to calm those those people down yep
0: and there's still time too oh, yeah. there's time there is plenty um of time. you know he's he's got to be uh, more about the the 99% and the 98% and the 98% who doesn't want the whole revolution 99%.
1: Did you uh watch uh SNL from last night? I did
0: not I did not unfortunately should There's, I. There's uh, no? the
1: the the cold open is it, it's okay but they have uh uh, they bring back uh, Larry David as Bernie Sanders, and he has a great line about uh, Purell and about how how Purell kills 99.9% of the germs, but it doesn't <laughs> doesn't touch the top 0.1%. It's really funny. That part's right. Oh,
0: funny. I so uh, we everyone needs to watch it if they listen to this. But no, I I think that the initial things that we were talking about are exactly right. Um, and Biden. And by the way, I just want to hit on one thing that you just said about the Biden messaging. I completely agree about that. And he, and if you caught this in the debate, uh, the South Carolina debate, Biden said, this guy has been in Congress for so many years and what has he done for you? Mm -hmm. I think that's an extraordinary great line that he should be using everywhere. And I think it's a very, very fair criticism of Bernie where the amount of work he's done for progressive legislation in the time that Bernie has been in Congress. Of course, it's not an easy thing, but he's he's an elected official, you know? Uh, so, so I think you can bring that fight to him. And, he, you know, if Bernie is a nominee, he's going to have to answer for that, too. So um, here, here are things that Bernie should not do going <laughs> forward. Uh, he should stop talking about Cuba. Yeah. I understand what he was saying, that just because there are governments who are despicable and torture and murder doesn't mean they can't also do one or two things that happen to be good. I understand what he was trying to say. It makes no sense in the political context which we are in, especially to Florida where people uh, come from Cuba and escape oppression. Please, Bernie, stop talking about Cuba. Just let it go. Let it go. Do not talk about Cuba anymore unless you're just, you know, talking about how they need to reform or something like that. Yeah. Like, do not praise Cuba. Please. Just I understand why it bugs you. Just don't do it. Yeah. Um, stop you know he needs to stop alienating moderate voters or quote moderate democrats unquote because those people are not that moderate at the end of the day um and who live in suburbs because honestly we need the suburban vote for up and down the ballot not just presidency we need them for governors we need them for senators we need them for representatives and state legislative seats so he needs to stop doing that he needs to pick a vp who who um adds something to his ticket um uh, I, I wrote this down in the show notes and I was, uh, in my, in my personal notes, which was confusing me for a second. He needs to add, uh, you know, picking a VP, like a, a, a progressive vice president, uh, will do nothing for his ticket. So he should not do that. What he needs to do is pick someone who's going to broaden his base, could be someone who's African American, could be someone who's Latino or Latina, could be someone else, but he needs to pick someone who's going to balance him out in some way. Because if he picks another firebrand progressive, there adds nothing to his ticket. And lastly, um, he needs to stop responding to people painting him—you know—painting them as like naysayers or extreme. You know, he needs to get behind that. Like, oh, you're just—you know—he needs to be less extreme in his rhetoric. I think because when he pr- portrays everyone as the establishment. It really pisses people off, even if they're not the establishment. Maybe they're just scared and they're lashing out for some reason. Yeah, He needs to act more like a nominee. So he should stop being in that bubble of always trying to be, you know, you know, fight or flight mode. He isn't in that mode right now. He, he's, he's almost going to be the nominee. So those are my four things I think he should stop doing.
1: Yeah, Hills, I completely agree with everything that you uh, just said, especially the stuff about the Cuba. Cuba. I mean, there just there's no reason for it. You're just gonna open yourself up to ads by Trump. And you're gonna scare people. And there's just there's no point in doing it. Uh Bernie has to not be so stubborn and listen to us. Why are we not on his campaign hills? Why
0: isn't anyone listening to us? <laughs> <laughs> we have a podcast, right? They should be listening. That's all it takes. <laughs> Uh, that's what we were told. We were told you start a podcast, people will listen to what you have to say <laughs> because you have a podcast.
1: Yep, that's it.
0: Well, uh, I think we wrapped up the say the Race pretty well, um, and we have a side dish that uh, may not be that appetizing coming up. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the side dish today, and today we are going to be talking about the coronavirus and the election. <laughs> <sighs> but appetizing, right? Really, yes. uh, really want to eat that coronavirus. Uh, or I should say COVID 19, because there, there are yeah. multiple types of coronaviruses. This is just a new one. Um, Josh, do you have a timer ready?
1: I, oh, that's actually, I had it, but that was actually my calculator, not the timer. So it wouldn't be very helpful. All right. I have my timer up and it is ready. So on my, When I say uh, go, then you can start talking. You ready? All right. Three, two, one, go.
0: Okay. So a little primer on the coronavirus, although everyone probably knows this by now. The coronavirus uh, came from China. It is a new type of respiratory illness. Um, It came from, it did not come from a secret military installation. It came from most likely a live animal market in the city of wuhan which is in central china and uh, this is significant because we had we have coronaviruses out there but this one we do not have a treatment for um, and not yet and it also has killed a few thousand people in china already around the world there's over a hundred thousand cases documented um, coronaviruses there's likely a little bit more than that because of people who have not been tested and maybe have it and, and not know about it. Um, it is It has infected a lot of people in Italy. That's the second biggest spot outside of Asia. Um, South Korea has a few thousand cases of it um, and it has spread to the United States where um, there are more and more cases happening um, mostly on the west coast but also around the east coast in places as well. Um, this is insignificant because it could, sol- it could be an electric nightmare for Trump um, where Trump is seen as inadequate. This thing spreads. It slows the economy down. Just uh, uh, I just saw it on Twitter. There's a map of um, the nitrogen in the atmosphere of China, which is caused by fumes from you know, cars and factories and stuff. And it, is, it went from being a lot to almost nothing. That means the economy has completely stopped in China. People are not working. There's no emissions. People are not going anywhere. Things are not being stocked. And the fears that can happen here. We just saw a 800 to 1000 point stock market slide the other day in the United States. And um, there are fears that you know the economy can stall out and which can create a recession in an election year, which could be very bad for Trump um, because he's the incumbent president who you know could seemingly it could be the view that people of people that he didn't manage this very well. So um, that is what's happening, and that's what could happen. It could be bad. Um, again, this has a pretty low death rate. This the coronavirus, um, and especially in a place like the United States, which which has more hygiene, um, or we only like to think, <laughs> probably has more hygiene practices than other countries around the world. Um, the spread of here will probably likely be slow, but it will probably happen and impact and impact politics as you kind of see it develop. And I'm done.
1: Wow. All right. You had two minutes and 41 seconds. I so was
0: right up against you that. You were
1: right up against it. Um, uh, gosh, the coronavirus. Um, you know, it's very, very scary. Uh, I understand that there's no need for panic yet. And uh, saying that, I just saw on Twitter that um, Rhode Island has its first confirmed case of coronavirus. This was someone who was in Italy when uh, the outbreak took place, so it's no surprise. Um, that person has been quarantined and the CDC is doing whatever they can to help. Um, there's a website and I will um, put it in the uh, show notes, or I'll, I'll put it in the show notes maybe. Um, it's, uh, it's called Worldometer. And it basically gives you a very up-to-date kind of by the hour, by the day, um, basically who has coronavirus, who has it reported, uh, how many deaths there are, and kind of more importantly, who has recovered from it. Um, And then it breaks it down by, uh, you know, kind of like by each country. Um, So according to the website, uh, there are 88,361 people in the world who have coronavirus, Total deaths is 3,001. Total recovered is 42,728. If you go by the US alone, they have 73 cases. That's five new ones from what was reported yesterday. So there have been five new cases today. Um, There's one death, that person died yesterday in Washington state. Um, We have 53 active cases. You have nine people who have recovered so, so far. And you have four people who are in critical condition. Um, That's nothing compared to China, which has, you know, 79,828 cases. So, Dang. Yeah. Um, In terms of whether I want to hear more about this or not, it's tough because I want to hear less about it because no one wants a global pandemic. Uh, At the same time, if it means that Trump starts to do poorly, I would like to hear more about that. So... I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I want to hear less about it. Else,
0: I think that's a fair, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 wish this was another thing that happened that Trump mishandled rather than something that kills people. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we agree on that. Uh, but you know, again, Trump doesn't know what to do with this
1: anyway. So no, there's there there he has no idea. And anyone um, listening out there. They're saying the best thing to do is just wash your hands. Uh, you know, cough into your elbow, season into your elbow. If you're sick, quarantine yourself. Don't go into to work. Um, don't buy face masks. It's it doesn't help, from what I, I hear. We need face masks for people who are, you know, seriously, seriously ill. Um, and you know, the the worst thing that we can do is uh, is, is panic. So um, you know, everyone just remain calm as possible and uh you know hopefully god willing trump doesn't kill us all
0: (laughs) so i shouldn't hit this panic button that's on my desk
1: oh no that one you you can hit over and over again okay
0: (laughs) okay well i've hit it already 20 times so i'm gonna just keep going
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right and while while hills is uh hitting that uh, panic button we're gonna get set up for our dessert which is coming up next Okay, welcome to your dessert. Hopefully this will cheer you up after a tough side dish. Um, So for the dessert, uh, Hills and I are each big fans of Major League Soccer. Um, We like uh, the season a lot. That's the soccer uh, system that's in the United States. And uh, this weekend has been the opening weekend of the MLS season. So what we thought we would do is we would go through the remaining seven candidates and say which Major League Soccer team are the following candidates, and a little bit of an explanation. Um, So I'm going to go first, and then Hills can go, and we'll just go through each of the candidates. Um, First up is Tulsi Gabbard. Hills, do you have your teams ready and your candidates ready? Yes, I do. All right. I'm going to go first. Tulsi Gabbard. All right. This is going to be a bit of a shocker for you. You're not ready for it. Okay? Oh,
0: I'm ready.
1: for me, Tulsi Gabbard is the LA Galaxy. Interesting. <clears throat> and here's why. For me, uh, I hate the LA Galaxy. I hate them so much. I hate everything that, that that they stand for. I hate when Zlatan was on their team. I hate when Chicharito's on their team. I root for them to lose. Um, just like I root for Tulsi Gabbard to lose. I uh, enjoy when she's down at 1%. Uh, I hope she drops out soon. I think she's staying in the race just to be... Uh, you know, very annoying to all the Dem candidates and is trying to get a spot on Fox News. Um, so, because I hate the LA Galaxy, because I hate Tulsi Gabbard, she uh, is the LA Galaxy for me.
0: Okay, that's fair. Uh, for me, Tulsi Gabbard is the Vancouver Whitecaps. <laughs> They're a team in from Vancouver. Um, she's also from Hawaii. It's not that close, but close enough. Um, no one really likes them <laughs> except for people who live there and they're far away, and they're mediocre, and that's like saying that at the very perfection. So uh, that was that's why I thought you was the Vancouver
1: Whitecaps. Perfect. All right, next up is Michael Bloomberg. All right, Michael Bloomberg for me is Atlanta United, and here's why. The owner of Atlanta United is Arthur Blank, and he is willing to just write Huge checks to sign whoever they want. Uh, Atlanta usually has some really good players, players from European markets. Their coach was the former coach of a uh, teams in the Premier League. Um, and their owner is not afraid to write money. Uh, and he just writes it off like it's no big deal. Just like Mike Bloomberg. Spends millions and millions of dollars. It's no big thing for him. Um, He is someone to be feared, just like Atlanta is a team that people fear, but Atlanta kind of always underperforms, and Bloomberg at the debate, the debates, has underperformed. So for me, Michael Bloomberg is Atlanta United.
0: Uh, Josh, I agree with you. I think Michael Bloomberg is Atlanta United. I mean, they spend big money. They can be fearsome. They can be formidable, but also they just screw up sometimes, and for whatever reason, and... Um, they don't get the job done most of the time. So, uh, or at least sometimes. Um, they're pretty yeah. good. They're a pretty good team. Just as Michael Bloomberg is a pretty good candidate, but not a great one.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Amy Klobuchar. All right. So for me, Amy Klobuchar is Minnesota United. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh... She's Minnesota because she's from Minnesota. She had her whole thing and her whole announcement was in a uh, was in a blizzard, and uh, you know, uh, Amy Klobuchar will sometimes surprise you, just like Atlanta or sorry, just like Minnesota, surprises everyone with their stadium. Uh, their stadium, Allianz Field, is really really nice, um, and Minnesota is more of a is is a new team, but they've been in the USL for a while, and Amy Klobuchar is a new candidate. Right. But she's been in the U.S. Senate for a while. Um, Minnesota United is never going to actually threaten anyone, just like Klobuchar is not really a threat. Uh, Sometimes she'll surprise you like like Minnesota will. So for that reason, uh, Amy Klobuchar is Minnesota United. Uh,
0: I was I agree with you, too. I might she she was for me, Minnesota United, for almost all the same reasons you said. And because they're kind of like they're strong, but also a little mediocre at the same time. And also they could be like Montreal impact where they get hot once or twice a season and then they stop all together. They just crumble. So um, I agree with you. I really think it's either Minnesota United or Montreal impact for me.
1: Okay. All right. Moving on. <clears throat> Next is Elizabeth Warren. I'm curious who you think this one is. All right. It's, 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 it's going to be a weird one, but... Um just uh you know, hear me out. All right. <clears throat> for me, Elizabeth Warren is DC United. Mm. Now DC United is my home team. I uh and here's why. DC United has been around for a long time. And Elizabeth Warren has been around for a very long time. Um there, uh Elizabeth Warren is playing it safe. She's trying to take this middle road of, oh, well, you know, this and that. And then when she realizes that she's in trouble, she panics. Uh, DC United loves to play it safe, especially with their coach, Ben Olsen, who just loves to just play games safe and fight for the draw and lose to fight another day. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, the thing about DC United is that they will constantly underperform and it is disappointing as, uh, you know, it's just it's very disappointing to be a DC United fan. I imagine that uh uh Warren supporters feel the exact same way. You know, she had this great campaign, she was looking up, and then she just has this underperformed consistently. She can't get anyone to really, you know, get on her side, but she won't drop out. You know, she just stays stays on, stays on. DC United should be better than that they are. Consistently they should be better, and they just they're they're not. And uh, for those reasons, Warren is DC United for me.
0: Interesting. Those are, those are pretty good reasons about uh, Warren. I think Warren, for me, um, I went back and forth on this, but I think she is the Philadelphia Union. Mm. And here's why. Philadelphia, I think, joined Major League Soccer in like 2009 or 2010. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, she got elected to the Senate um, in 2012, so around the same timeline, you know. Um, and th- she's a formidable force, um, and and has the potential to really go far, but just comes up short. Uh, comes up short doesn't doesn't finish the deal, and that's sometimes what Philadelphia Union does. They're a good squad, and they don't always finish the game well. Um, and as we're seeing, a little bit like Elizabeth Warren. So um, they had the potential to, to win the league too, but mm-hmm. they just yeah. they just haven't. So.
1: That's that's her. All right. Next up is Pete Buttigieg. For me, Pete Buttigieg is Inter-Miami. Um, he is uh, – Inter-Miami is, is, is a new team. Uh, they just entered the season of the MLS this year, and they are super flashy. They are – you know, D- D- David Beckham is their owner, and they play in Miami, and they've got all these fancy, uh, you know uh, – um, uh, South, South American players, and and it, the whole thing, and oh man, like when we'll you just look at them, look at who they're signing, you know, Inter Miami was linked to Cavani uh, At one point, they're linked to you know Messi at one point, and uh, you know hasn't really uh, come through yet, uh, and just like you know Pete, you know, kind of fading right now a little bit as well, uh, but the big the big reason that that they're the same is because they're the new team. The new hot thing everyone wants to be a part of, uh, Pete Buttigieg in Miami. That's why they are the same. I see. I was along the
0: same thinking, but I put Pete as Nashville SC.
1: Oh. Nashville is the
0: other new MLS team this year. um, And they are from the middle of the country. They're from Nashville, from the middle of the country um and they're new they're you know i was thinking it almost minnesota miami i'm sorry inter miami because miami's more flashier and pete's a little flashy but you know nashville you know has a big talk but hasn't really done you know they have a okay squad together and i don't know i just i thought he i think he's a little bit of a combine between nashville and miami like new on the scene flashy but also like struggling
1: a little bit right now okay All right, I respect that. All right, we got two more. uh, Joe Biden. Uh, For me, Joe Biden is Toronto FC. And here's why. Joe Biden has been on the scene for a long time. And while Toronto is not one of the original members, uh, they have been around for now about 14 years. So it's still a very, very long time. Uh, Toronto FC is consistently very, very good. Uh, they consistently make it into the playoffs. They consistently, um, you know, push far into the playoffs. Um, they have big names on their squad: Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, you know, uh, uh, Pozuelo, Alejandro po- 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 Pozuelo. Big names on their team, um, and they and you know and they've won before. You know, Joe Biden has won uh, the presidency. Toronto FC has won uh, the M- the MLS Cup um so that's and, and you know but at the same time toronto fc can stumble sometimes they have uh injuries uh and they stumble and joe biden has definitely stumbled uh so far in this candidacy and he's known to make stumbles so for those reasons uh joe biden is toronto fc
0: interesting i think that's a good one um for me joe biden is dc united and yeah. Yeah, because D.C. United has been uh, around since the beginning, it was one of the founding members of the Major League Soccer, uh, friend, you know, league. And Joe Biden has been around for quite some time. Uh, D.C. United has won multiple championships, He won the vice presidency. And D.C. United seems like it can be can win the cup, but honestly, just just falls apart at the last minute by not doing what they need to do. Um, And that's what I think Joe Biden does. He could have gotten this nomination from the absolute very beginning. He could have put Bernie out a while ago. But he decided to not be a great candidate on stage and or not give a vision of what he wants to do. So I think he's very similar to the way DC United um, performs on the field sometimes. Um, And uh, that's who I think Biden is.
1: Okay. Uh, And lastly, Bernie Sanders... For me, uh, Bernie Sanders is NYCFC,
0: the New York
1: City Football Club. Yes, and here's why. Here's why. So Bernie's been around for a very, very long time, but he's never done anything. Okay, Bernie doesn't have a record of accomplishing much of anything. Okay, just like NYCFC. They haven't, uh, they, haven't, they haven't won anything. And although Bernie's been around for a while, he really came to prominence in 2015, 2016. And that's when NYCFC was founded. They, they came into Major League Soccer at uh, in 2015. And they had some great players. Villa. They have Sean Johnson now. They have a bunch of great players, but they've never gotten anything done. They haven't won any big, huge playoff matches. Their field is terrible. Um, you know, they have all the talent to win MLS Cup, and they haven't put it together. Bernie has the ability to win the, the, the nomination. He had it in 2016, hasn't put it together. He hasn't won anything. They haven't won anything. Bernie Sanders, and NYCFC.
0: Interesting. I, I like that. I like that analysis. Um, I was thinking they're LAFC.
1: Oh, and okay. here's the reason. I, it's, I I I almost went with LaFC. I was between NYCFC and LaFC, um, but I like that pick too. Go ahead. And I think
0: we're probably similar, rate in the way because LaFC has won. You know, they were they won the most games last season. Bernie's winning. You know, the the race right now. They're flashy. Uh, Bernie is flashy. It's very cool to be a LAFC supporter. Everyone wants to be one.
1: <laughs> Everyone wants to be so a, Bernie, a
0: Bernie fan. Uh, you know, they have, he's he's got a, a movement of people behind him, a cult following, just like LAFC has. Um, they're forced to be reckoned with, for sure, just like Bernie is. But, you know, uh, they haven't won a cup, and neither has Bernie. Neither, yeah. Bernie has not won the nomination ever. He came close last time. Uh, lafc came close last time too so that's where i think they are
1: the only reason i didn't choose lafc is because last year they won the supporter shield that's which true. some people argue is more important than the mls cup but the big thing yes is mls cup and they have not won that so yeah um all right yeah yeah well that is our dessert hopefully it you took your mind off the <laughs> virus that's coming to kill us all yeah and uh and watch, <laughs> watch are, major uh, league soccer Yes, you should definitely watch. Yes, definitely watch Major League Soccer. Uh, You can get almost every game on uh, ESPN Plus. Um, And uh, think about going out to a game. I think lots of people are surprised when they, you know, watching it on TV is boring or whatever. But uh, if you go to a game, it can definitely uh, spark your interest. So that's our plug for Major League Soccer. And the answer to your pre-dinner shot is coming up next.
0: All right, everybody. Yeah, you've been patiently waiting, and uh, here's the answer to your pre-dinner shot. So the question was, who, uh, who were the last three winners of the South Carolina Democratic primaries in 2004, 2008, and 2016? In 2004, John Edwards won the South Carolina Democratic primary. Not John Kerry. It was John Edwards. Uh, see where he's been, right? <laughs> yeah. 2008, it was none other than the best president, Barack Obama. He won South Carolina resoundingly and launched him forward. And in 2016, you guessed it, it was Hillary Clinton. She soundly beat Bernie Sanders in South Carolina in 2016. So John Edwards, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton.
1: And now Joe Biden. And now Joe Biden goes down Mm -hmm. in history, his first state. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. He's run for president three times and has never won a state before. I mean, that's absolutely bonkers. He's got. So. He's got at least one now. Yeah, he's got one now. Um, he's got one now. All right, Hills. Um, anything else? No. No. I think. I think. Uh, I think this has been a
0: very, a very good pod um, today.
1: Yes, I agree. Episode nineteen, episode twenty is is is, is next, and that's that's a big one. Uh, keep your. Uh, Keep your pod uh, feed open up for uh, a an, an episode coming next week. Hills and I will, will, will be together. We're going to do a live show next week, probably next Saturday, to cover what happened on Super Tuesday. So you, you'll be getting another pod next week. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's great. So keep your pod feed up for next Saturday. Uh, Hills not going to record, so it should be out hopefully at some point uh, a few days after that
0: uh where they say double the pod double the fun <laughs>
1: double the pod double the one if i didn't use momentum, then double the pod double the fun would be a great show <laughs>
0: maybe the next one
1: um <clears throat> yeah uh before you go we have a few important messages intro and outro music are by brett hillsberg if you enjoy please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app it really does help us out uh, tell your friends to listen if you can share this episode on social media if you want to donate Go to the info section on the episode you're listening to. If you have questions, you can email us at threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. Again, threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, everybody. Bye.